We worship you, Lord. We want to live in the light of your love. We truly want to know more of you. So, Father, we ask that you speak to our hearts, Lord. We desperately need to hear from you today. So speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts that we would hear from you. We'd know your word. We'd know your comfort. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So if you'll you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, that we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 4 today, and I'll be reading verses uh, 1 through 7. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. So Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 7 is what I'll be reading. All right, so Philippians 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown... So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help, those, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your, glad, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So um, we read verses 1 through 7, but we'll really specifically be looking at verses um, 6 and 7. Uh, you may also want to uh, uh, mark your Bibles for Matthew chapter 6, because we will be going back to Matthew chapter 6 to look at some verses there. So as I was praying about um, the message for this morning, uh, the passage to take a look at this morning, uh, what came to mind to me was just some of this, the teaching that we learned from Ephesians. Um, in Ephesians, one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea that Pastor Will shared with us about using specific sections of Scripture for appropriate situations. And the verse that we were looking at when we were talking about that was Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, which says, Take the helmet of salvation uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, so we, t- we learned there that we should be using specific sections of scriptures in appropriate situations to go on the offensive uh, against the enemy. So instead of sitting back pass- passively, what we were taught there is the idea of not just sitting back passively, waiting for the enemy to uh, attack and then deal with the schemes, but we can go actually go on the offensive in our spiritual battles, and we can use the word of God for precision strikes uh, against the enemy. So when I hear the word precision strikes, that really makes my mind go in, into a certain place. And what I think about when I, when I hear the word precision strikes, I think about um, a, cruise middle, a cruise missile hitting a specific target. So those of you that um, are familiar with the war on terrorism and all the images that we saw about cruise missiles uh, flying in and hitting specific targets, that's what I think of. And just a little... Uh, tidbit here. So the Tomahawk cruise missile specifically uh, has a range of a thousand miles, which is amazing in and of itself, but it has an accuracy within 16, uh, 16 feet, which also is amazing. So that's the picture I have in my mind when I think about precision. Is that's, the, that's the type of attack that we could have against the schemes of the enemy and the attacks of the enemy. So when I think about that, I think about 
a precision strike, I asked myself, so how do I do that? How do I use the word of God to have that type of a precision strike? Um, how do I um, use the word of God and apply the scriptures so that I can be that precise? Um, when we were studying uh, Ephesians 6, we went back to um, Matthew 4, where Jesus dealt with uh, the devil and use specific scriptures to fight the devil. So we want to have that same type of accuracy. So we just don't want to know scripture. We don't want to just repeat scripture. We want to be able to apply scripture so that we can use it in those specific situations to deal with the enemy. So, so my question I have here is, what would 2023 look like if we went on the offensive by applying specific scriptures for precision strikes? Um, so one area that I think the enemy can attack us and uh, sometimes does attack us is in the, in the area of worry. So I want to explore uh, Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, looking at verses 6 and 7, and see um, how could we use these verses as a precision strike against worry and against anxiety. So just a quick introduction. So when we talk about Ephesians, we're looking at um, a couple of key themes that I think the Apostle Paul gives us in Ephesians. Number one, uh, he talks about this whole idea of having the right mind. Um, so we see the mind of Christ, where we see having the right type of thinking throughout the book of Ephesians, along with joy. That's another thing that's a, a, key, um, a key theme throughout the, the book of Ephesians. So when we look at um, chapter 4 specifically, we see that Paul is addressing some division that's occurred between two women in the church, but he encourages them uh, to unity by asking them to be uh, of the same mind. We see that in verse 2. So one of our key points that we'll see as we're looking at the, these passages, these, these two verses specifically, but I think throughout the entire book or the entire chapter of chapter 4 is having that correct mind, having focused thinking having a correct way of thinking uh, as we're looking at different topics, specifically worry with these two verses that we're looking at today. So um, as we look at these two verses, I have three points of reflection for you to consider. First point of reflection is do not worry. Second point is um, pray about everything. And the third point is experience God's peace. So three points of reflection for you to consider today. Do not worry pray about everything, experience God's peace. So we start with this first one, uh, do not worry. Um, so we say first, do not worry. So as soon as I hear that phrase, it makes me think about my grandmother. My grandmother used to have a phrase uh, that she would say, um, she would say, sometimes things are easier said than done. Uh, and to me, that's one of the things I think about when I hear do not worry, that it's easier to say that phrase than actually to implement it for me. Uh, so worry can be all-consuming. It can be debilitating for some. So Warren Wiersbe is a commentator, and uh, he defined worry as wrong thinking, talking about the mind, and then wrong feeling, talking about the heart. Um, and that's wrong, wrong thinking and wrong feeling about circumstances, about people, and about things. So I think Paul is trying to help us to have the right type of thinking so that when we deal with worry, um, we can actually deal with it and not be consumed by it and not have it be debilitating in our lives. So um, Philippians 4, 6 says, uh, be anxious for nothing. Um, the concept of worry comes up a few times in the two Testaments. Actually, this word uh, for worry uh, is, or anxious is used 17 times in the New Testament. 
and it's used in uh, Matthew 6 and also in Luke 12. So we do have it dealt with a few times uh, in the scriptures. Uh, The King James Version actually says, be careful for nothing. And the idea of careful implies being full of care um, and having an anxious mind. So it it suggests that idea of having been distracted by many things. So as soon as I hear that, that makes me think of another thing. Uh, It makes me think of uh, Luke 10, where Jesus is talking to Martha. Um, uh, Martha's making preparations for different things, but Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So Martha comes to Jesus and she's, you know, saying, you know, why isn't Mary helping me? Why isn't she doing uh, what needs to be done for preparation? And Jesus says to her in Luke 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. So that's that whole idea of being distracted by many cares. And I can completely identify with Martha, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, but I can identify with Martha in some areas of my life where I'm distracted by many cares. And the Lord's really ministered to me on this particular point. Um, the Lord has uncovered to me that this is a place of worry for me when um, God's plans are different than what my expectations are. So life's going along, and as long as everything's going along is the way I think it should be going, no problems, no worry. But soon as there's a, a deviation from that, soon as I feel like life goes off, off plan, that's when worry uh, gets into my life. And I think we see that here with Martha when we're looking at uh, Martha in Luke 10. So she thinks Mary should be doing the same things that she's doing. She should be making preparations. So uh, she has a thing. She thinks life should be going a certain way. Mary should be helping me. But that's not the way life is going. Mary's not helping her. So because of that, she is troubled by many things. So uh, I, I, I can completely identify that with that. So that idea of, you know, when life goes off path, that's when worry creeps in. So I've been thankful to be able to recognize that as a source of worry in my life. So Paul doesn't actually deal with worry directly here in uh, Philippians 4. I think I said Ephesians a few times here, but just hang with me here. <laughs> Philippians is our main, is our main text. Um, but uh, in Philippians 4, I think Paul is not dealing with um, worry directly. Um, he is, um, he, but he does give us some, some interesting points. But as soon as I think about the whole idea of worry, it makes me think about um, some the points in uh, Matthew 6 that we read. So we don't have time to go through those in, in a deep dive. But uh, I do want to just bring out a few points from Matthew 6. So if you want to flip back over to Matthew 6, just want to point out a few verses that we read uh, in our scripture reading. So the first thing when we think about worry uh, is that I do not need to worry about my needs. Um, Jesus clearly says, explicitly says, uh, do not worry about food, drink, or clothing. We see that in verse 25. So that's one of the points that really jumps out to me when when I'm consumed with worry. Jesus is telling me, do not worry about my needs because, um, well, we'll get to because here in a second, but that's what he tells us to do is do not worry. So the next thing is I, I need to understand that God cares for me. So Jesus explained that I'm more valuable than the animals, uh, specifically the birds. Uh, Here in verse 25 and 26, he talks about that whole idea that uh, God cares for them, that I'm more valuable than the birds of the air. And that my heavenly father knows that I I need all these things. So we see that in verse verse 32. So I, I need to understand that God will care for me. God will take care of my needs. And then the last point that really jumps out to me uh, in Matthew 6, uh, in the verses that we read in our scripture reading, is that I can experience real life, I would say even true fulfillment in life by trusting God, by staying focused on God 
and God's priorities. So that's one of the, another one of the key points that jumped out to me when I'm dealing with worry. So this whole idea that I don't need to worry about my needs because God's going to take care of me. Uh, and also that I can stay, um, I can experience true life, true fulfillment in life if I focus on God and God's priorities. So I think Paul had these thoughts in mind uh, as we're looking at um, the whole idea of not worrying. So Paul gives us that same command that Jesus said um, not, to, not to worry. So, but Paul, instead of worrying, Paul goes on to talk about um, that we should be praying about everything. So, which is our second point of reflection, that we should pray about everything. Uh, So, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul didn't say, um, bring your anxious thoughts to the Lord uh, first. Uh, that's not what he said. He didn't say, bring, bring your anxious thoughts, bring your anxious concerns to the Lord first. He said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So, again, I think the Apostle Paul is trying to help us to have the correct type of thinking or the correct way of thinking when we're dealing with worry and anxiety in our lives. So, in our Ephesians study, we were taught about prayer uh, as our second offensive weapon that we can use in our spiritual battle. So we learned that we need prayer in every decisive moment. We also learned that we need to pray all kinds of prayers in order to have regular communication with God. Um, and we also learned that um, just that whole idea that we can, we can have that relationship with God. So we can pray to the Lord, um, especially in our spiritual battles. So the word that's used for prayer in Ephesians 6 is the same word that's used for prayer here uh, in Philippians, in Philippians 4, 6. So, so we can have that same type of prayer uh, that we're talking about when we're talking about using it in spiritual battles. So I think the Apostle Paul here is saying to us, so although you're dealing with worry and anxiety in your life, although you may be dealing with those things, let's not start there with our prayers to God. Let's not normally start our prayers with going right to the request. Um, let's start with how you're taught to pray, which takes me to um, back to uh, Matthew, or Matthew chapter 6. So if you still have your finger, if you still have Matthew 6 marked, um, it, it just takes me back to how Jesus, the Lord's Prayer, or how Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. So when we pray, we should start by remembering who we're addressing. Um, Matthew 6, 9 says, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the Lord's Prayer, of course, um, very familiar to many of us. I mean, it's something that we can probably quote right off the top of our head without even looking uh, at the verses, but um, it's just so rich, so deep here uh, of the things that Jesus teaches the disciples. So the first thing that Jesus says is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So when we pray, we need to remember that we are praying to to God the Father, who is also God our Father. Um, So this is one of the statements that really gives me pause when I think about you know, you know, coming before God's throne and saying, you know, um, uh, our father in heaven, because I think about the Jewish, this is Jesus teaching Jewish people <laughs> to say uh, our father in heaven. These are the same people that when God spoke to them, they're like, no, we don't want to hear from you, Moses, you go talk to God and he talks to you and then you can come talk to us because we don't want to talk to God directly. But Jesus here is saying, no, um, that you can have such a personal relationship with God uh, that you can start your communication with him by saying, 
our father in heaven or my father in heaven. So that is, um, that just blows me away that we can start our prayers that way. Um, so Jesus went on to teach uh, another component of prayer, uh, and that is aligning our prayers with God's will. Matthew 6.10 says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So as we recognize who God is, that uh, the God of heaven, the God, the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of life, um, the eternal one, the one that's from eternity to eternity, as we come into his presence, as we bring our prayers to him, I think the next thing that naturally happens is that we want to submit to his will because we know that he's all powerful. We know that he's all knowing and we know that he loves us. So we want to submit to his will. So it's saying, because you are God, because you love me, because you're omniscient, you're all knowing, um, I want your will to be done in my life because I know that being in your will is the best place to be. So as we pray, we say our father in heaven, but realizing that God loves us, our natural next step is to say, your will be done in our lives. And then Jesus goes on uh, in the teaching about prayer uh, to say, uh, make your request next, okay? Matthew six eleven, he says, give us this day our daily bread, which aligns with what Paul's saying in Philippians 4. Um, we can make our prayers and supplications uh, to the Lord, which is supplications is making those formal requests to the Lord. And Jesus does that. He teaches them to... Uh, um, ask for forgiveness for their debts, uh, for protection from temptation and deliverance from the enemy. So that, again, just showing the alignment between what the Apostle Paul is saying and what Jesus is saying about prayer. So, but if we turn back to Philippians 4, um, looking again at verse 6, uh, Paul brings out another point of prayer, and that point is that prayer should include thanksgiving. Uh, he specifically says, with thanksgiving. Um, so I would suggest that the Lord is teaching this also in Matthew 6. So at the end, uh, I know I told you to turn back to, math, or turn back to Philippians, but the last, part of, uh, the last part of the Lord's prayer there is uh, in, in Matthew 6, 13, which says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So some, some suggest that that is a praise that, um, is being delivered there at the end of that prayer. But I think that does align with the whole idea of uh, with, pray, or with thanksgiving in our prayers. So, you know, giving thanksgiving um, in our prayers can be, can be difficult and painful, uh, especially in, in really hard situations. So I'm not saying it's easy to give thanksgiving all the time, but I think the Lord is asking us to include thanksgiving in our prayers. And one of the things that can help us with thanksgiving is meditating on the blessings God has provided for us that will not change. So I believe that there's blessings that the Lord has given us that don't change. And those are the things that we can be thankful for, um, you know, even in the, in the difficult and even in the hard times. So one example of a good thing that will not change, one blessing that the Lord provides to us that will not change um, there's many, many in the Bible, but this is one that's really resonated with me, um, is back in Ephesians um, 4, or Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, sorry, um, which talks about the whole idea that the Lord chose me in him before the foundation of the world, that it should be holy and without blame before him. So back in our study in Ephesians, um, one of the things that we were taught there, that we have several blessings, we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And one of those spiritual blessings that we were taught about was this idea that 
um, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I can know that the Lord chose me in him before the foundation of the world and that I should be holy and without blame before him. I mean, that to me is an amazing statement. The whole idea that the Lord chose me before the foundation of the world and then the idea that he's going to present me as holy and blameless before him it, it just blows my mind. But that's one of the blessings that we can be thankful for. That's something that will not change. That, that's always true. That will not change. And again, this is one of several blessings that we were taught um, in Ephesians chapter 1. So I do encourage you, um, you can go back to Ephesians 1, go back to the entire book of Ephesians. But Ephesians 1 especially, there are several, several blessings there that we were taught that, that these are true, that will not change. Another blessing, um, another example of a blessing from God that will not change is um, from 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So again, that's what we were currently studying in the morning services when we get back to our normal schedule. Um, but 1 John is where we are, and this really just is an amazing statement too. So in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, talks about we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. So I can be thankful that if I'm in Christ, I have an advocate with the Father. I have one who goes before the Father. And um, because of Jesus being my advocate, I, I am changed. I'm the one who's changed. Uh, Jesus is the propitiation for my sin, but he changes me into someone who is reconciled to God. I'm justified before God. Um, I can have a right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ being my advocate. So again, this is a blessing that will not change. Um, with something that we can be thankful for. So before we leave um, the topic of prayer, there's one more interesting thing to me uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. I said Ephesians again. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses, uh, verse 6. So, you know, I, I find it interesting that the Apostle Paul says um, supplication. He says um, uh, uh, in in. In all things, uh, and I got to read it. I've read it so many times this week, but now I got to read it. Uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, uh, let your request be made known uh, to God. So he emphasizes this whole idea. We already know that supplication means formal requests, but the, the Apostle Paul goes further and says, let your request be made known to God. Um, so once we have recognized that God is our Father, and we've submitted to his will. We realize that, you know, God is our father, that he loves us, that he's all powerful. He's all knowing um, that he has our concerns uh, in mind and, and he knows best for us. Um, as we know these things, then we can let our requests be made known unto God because our requests now start to become aligned with God's will. Um, and we shouldn't make these requests. I know for me, um, as a younger Christian, um, Sometimes there was some thinking out there that was like, oh, you don't want to make requests to God, you know, because God doesn't need to hear your requests, especially if these these little things. I think God wants to hear us or hear our requests. We see several examples of the idea of, of God asking us to bring our requests before him. This is one of those examples. I mean, the Lord's Prayer is the... I think the perfect example, if you will, uh, of, of us being bringing our requests that Jesus is teaching us, bring your request to God. Um, so we want to bring our request to God. So Paul explicitly says, let your request be made known unto God. So whatever you might be dealing with today, if it's worry, if it's anxiety, bring your request to God. God wants to hear um, what you have to say. He wants to have that dialogue with you. Uh, even though he knows our prayers, he knows what our needs are uh, 
Uh, Matthew 6 tells us that, that he knows what our needs are even before we pray, but he still invites us to come before his throne. He still invites us to come and talk with him. So I invite you to bring your request before the Lord. Don't get into that line of thinking. Don't allow the enemy forces to let you think, oh, God doesn't want to hear your prayers or you're not worthy enough to bring your prayers to the Lord. No, bring your prayers. Let your request be made known unto God. Um, so, um, um, and I also would add to that, um, God can handle our honesty. So even in our difficult situations and our painful situations, we see examples in the Psalms, we see examples in the book of Job where people were very honest with God about what they were dealing with um, to the point that sometimes you read those things like, mm, I don't know if I would quite say it that, exactly that way. Um, but, but it's recorded in scriptures for us so, we, so that we can see that. We can see that people were very honest with God in their prayers. Um, and I think God is inviting us to be very honest in our prayers with him too. So God can handle your honesty uh, when you're dealing with your, your difficult situations. So we talked about, um, uh, we talked about uh, do not worry. We talked about pray about everything. And that brings us to our third point, which is experience God's peace. So um, when we talk about experiencing God's peace, uh, when we look at Philippians chapter four, verse seven, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So before we can experience the peace of God, um, we have to have peace with God. So, and if you're not a Christian today, um, do you know that God wants to have peace with you? That you can actually have peace with God? So that's what, that's what we're being invited to do is to have peace with God. So which brings me back to 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, which we, we read previously, uh, but it says, in him, uh, and he himself is our propitiation for our sins, for not ours only, but also for the whole world. So we were, this was the last teaching that we had on First uh, John. So I won't do a deep dive on that because uh, you can just go back and listen to uh, the teaching on that um, from a few weeks ago. But again, this verse tells us that Jesus is a propitiation for the Christian, but he's a propitiation for, for everyone, for the entire world. So, um, and propitiation means that we can have a changed relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. It means that I'm justified before God because Jesus Christ has done that for me. Jesus Christ has been the sacrifice for me to take my sins away uh, so that I can have that right relationship with God. So, but because Jesus is a propitiation for the entire world, does, still means that each human being, each person must recognize that they're a sinner, that they've broken God's law, uh, and that they must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so if you do this, you will be saved and you, will, you can have peace with God. So, but when we think about peace with God, salvation is definitely an important point. We want to make sure that we're clear on that, that when we have peace with God, that is you know, ending the, the, ending the, I can speak, ending the adversarial relationship that we have with God. So instead of being enemies with God, we can now have a right relationship with God. But even as believers, uh, peace with God also means that we can experience God's love. And um, I'm very thankful that that's something that's been a theme that I've been hearing um, all week. Um, trying to hold it together here. Um, we can experience God's love. So on the Christmas Eve candlelight service, Pastor Will um, shared with us the importance of knowing that God loves us, um, that we are precious to him. Sorry, trying to see here. Uh, so this is a truth that we need to hear. I know this is a truth that I need to hear more and more 
uh, especially in the painful and difficult circumstances of life, um, especially when I'm dealing with worry uh, and it's causing havoc and chaos in my life. So um, there's just a few things that I wanted to share on the love of God. Um, You can listen to the uh, candlelight service to hear more. Um, But one of the verses that really jumps out to me that talks about God's love is 1 John 4, 19. Um, We love him because he first loved us. I mean, that is one of the verses that just seals the deal for me in the sense that God made the first move. So, you know, I think about, um, uh, you know, relationships where we're always like, oh, you know, did you, are you going to make the first move? Am I going to make the first move? You know, who's going to make the first move? We don't have to worry about that in our relationship with God. God already made the first move to us. He already demonstrated his love to us. So we can love him because he's already done it. He's already showed his love to us. So that's one of the things that really just helps me um, when I think about the love of God. And another thing that just struck me a few, a few weeks ago, um, I was looking at John 13, um, where Jesus is um, washing the disciples' feet. And, um, you know, in that, in that chapter, it starts off by saying that he loved them to the end. But, you know, the, the fifth verse there talks about after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel, wipe, wipe them with the towel with which uh, he was girded. So just the, the fact that the Son of God... <laughs> God the Son would wash dirty feet of the disciples. Just, it's unbelievable. I mean, Jesus dying on the cross, of course, is the ultimate representation of love for us. But the fact that he would wash dirty feet is unbelievable. We have a God who washes dirty feet. And I think that shows us that we have a God who loves us. So back to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Paul describes the peace of God as being a peace that surpasses understanding. And so interesting fun fact that I saw as I was studying for this passage, that the word peace that's used here in Philippians 4, 7 is actually a word um, that's used in every book of the Bible, every book in the New Testament, except 1 John. So that word peace is in every book of the New Testament, except 1 John. So uh, a pretty important word. Um, so, um, So when we look at this, this word or look at this, this particular verse here, the thing that jumped into my mind was, so I can quote this verse, but I don't know if peace comes right away to me. So I can sit here, I can say, be anxious for nothing in everything or prayer in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now I have peace. <laughs> um, that's not been my experience. Um, so, Um, But at the same time, as I look at these verses and as I dig deeper into these verses and truly apply these verses to my life, I can experience God's peace. And what's helped me with experiencing God's peace as I look at applying these verses is I can experience the peace of God by knowing who God is. So the more I know who God is, uh, the more I can experience God's peace. So we could talk about the character of God at length. Uh, We could do many, many weeks of study on the character of God. Um, But 
what I want to do is just share two um, characteristics of God or two attributes of God that really have helped me with the peace, having peace, especially dealing with uh, issues of worry. So the first is God is all-powerful or omnipotent, uh, if you want to use that, that terminology. Um, but God is all-powerful. One verse for me that helps with understanding, there's many verses in the Bible that talk about God being all-powerful, but one verse that helps me is Job uh, chapter 42. Uh, verse two, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you right here. Um, Job says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So just a quick understanding here, um, the fact that Job come, or God comes to Job and gives Job several questions or statements about himself uh, for several chapters in the book of Job. So this last chapter of Job, Job is responding to all that God has said to him. So, so Job says... Uh, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So Job's acknowledging that God is all powerful and his plans cannot be thwarted. Um, an interesting quote I saw, I saw from uh, Andrew Murray in uh, Absolute Surrender says this. So when we sink into utter helplessness, the everlasting God will reveal himself in his power and our hearts will learn to trust him alone. So I'll just read that again. Uh, when we sink into utter helplessness, the everlasting God will reveal himself in his power and our hearts will learn to trust him more. So I can experience God's peace because I know that there is an all-powerful God who will reveal himself to me and he will teach me that I can trust in him alone. Um, so when we have an all-powerful God, we can experience peace. Another characteristic that helps me with, with um, seeing helps me with peace is seeing God as father. So we've already touched on this when we talked about um, God being our father from the Lord's prayer, but I just want to tag on to that a little bit more because there's many references to God being our father, uh, especially in the New Testament. So of course, I'm going to go back to Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse five, uh, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So this verse talks about having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. So it teaches me that God has predestined me to adoption by Jesus Christ and his son. So I am a son of God um, with all the rights and blessings that come along with that because of what Jesus Christ has done. And I know that my future is absolutely certain as an adopted son of Jesus Christ. So just as we were singing, you know, one day I will see God and one day he will wipe away all the tears. He will take away all the pain. So God's peace becomes more clear as I start to stack these truths on top of each other. So I know that God's all powerful. I know that God loves me. I know that my, I love saying that my heavenly father loves me, that, and he's the perfect father. Um, you know, we, we have human fathers here and we see uh, human fathers here on earth, but our heavenly father is the perfect father. Uh, and he knows all about me. He knows my cares. So when I know this God that the Bible describes, and that he's for me, that he's not against me, then I can have peace. That's, that's point number one under peace. <laughs> point number two under peace, so we can know who God is. We can, we can experience peace by knowing who God is, but we can also experience peace by knowing what God has said, by knowing God's promises. So again, you know, there are many promises in the Bible that we could go to um, to help us, uh, you know, to have peace. But I just want to share two with you also, um, promises that have really helped me. 
So one of the promises that's really helped me is just knowing that God will finish the work that he started uh, in me. So I use Romans 8.30 as the verse to help me with that. Uh, Romans 8.30 says, Moreover, whom he predestined, uh, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, we could spend a lot of time on this verse. um, But I just want to emphasize the point that we already talked about the fact that um, we're justified in, because of what Jesus Christ has done. He's our propitiation, so we're justified. And we see that word justified here. So because God has justified me, I also know that uh, he will glorify me. So, And I love that every word here is in the past tense. So he justified me. I won't go through them all. I'll just start with justify. He justified me. He also glorified me. It's actually in the past tense there uh, in Romans 8.30. So I can be very confident that God is going to bring me to the finish line. He's not going to leave me. Uh, he will finish the work that he started in me. So that to me is, is um, great news uh, and also helps me have peace. Another verse that helps me, another promise, if you will, that helps me is Isaiah 41.10. So this verse says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So this corresponds to Romans 8.31. Um, which says God is for us. Uh, If God is for us, who can be against us? Is the question that the Apostle Paul poses to us in that verse. So if God is with me, I do not fear. Um, There still may be pain in my life, but God will help me. I can experience God's peace when I know uh, that God will glorify me, that he will help me, uh, that he will strengthen me with his righteous right hand. So, you know, I can go to God Uh, when I'm dealing with the anxiety, when I'm dealing with the difficulties of life, and I can know that God will be there for me, that he will strengthen me and he will help me. So the more I learn of who God is and what God has said and what God's promises are, these are the truths that help me experience God's peace that surpasses understanding. And I don't don't have this down perfect. I'm not an expert at this, but I'm learning. And I appreciate the Lord continuing to help me to understand these things better. So the last, believe it or not, coming to the last point here. So the last thing that I think the Apostle Paul helps us with, with understanding peace, uh, is that he describes peace as, as, as something that will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the word guard there um, means to protect um, by a military guard. Uh, so as I learn, uh, just going through the things that we've been taught here in these verses, so as I learn... Uh, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I will let my request be known to God. And when I think about who God is and his promises, uh, remembering that he's my father, that he's all-powerful, that he can, he can do anything, uh, and that he cares for me, and that he will um, bring me to the end, uh, that he will help me, all these promises that we just talked about, then I can experience this peace. Then I can have that peace that will be like a military guard that will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So, so when, I, when I recognize worry in my life, when I see life going off course, and instead of going towards worry, when it's life goes off course, I can think about these things that we've been talking about. So first of all, I can choose not to worry. I can remember that God cares for me, that I can trust him uh, to meet my needs, especially when I focus on him and focus on his kingdom. 
Um, I can pray about everything. I can remember that God is my loving heavenly father and I can let my specific requests be made known to God. And then I can seek to experience God's peace. I can remember that, remember who God is, that he's all powerful, loving father. I can remember his promises that he will bring me to the end and he will help me uh, in the difficult times that I experience. So these verses have helped me deal with worry and anxiety of my life. Um, And the Lord may give you different verses to work with um, the different situations that you're combating in your life. So whatever you may be battling, I encourage you to study God's word, to meditate on it, um, to think about what God has brought before you. And not just come, listen to the sermon on Sunday and and walk away, but digest these things. Think about these things. Um, So the goal of this study here. Um, not necessarily to do a deep dive on uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which we did do. That's not necessarily the goal. The goal here is to encourage you to go on the offensive, to make a precision strike against um, the enemy, against the spiritual battles that you're, dealing, that you're dealing with. So I encourage you, let's make precision strikes. Let's study the word of God. Let's apply the word of God. Let's not just sit back and wait for difficulties to come. They will come, Um, but we want to go on the offensive. We want to be able to use the word of God, apply the word of God in specific situations, use the right verses in the right situations to deal with the difficulties that we're dealing with. So let's start our new year with precision strikes against the enemy in our spiritual battles. So I just want to end with, um, if you're not a believer um, today, um, I want you to know that you can have peace with God, that Not worrying starts with peace with God, okay? Um, God wants to have peace with you. Uh, Jesus Christ has come to die and died on the cross for us. He's our propitiation. He's our advocate with the Father. But that only happens by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life. So if you're not a believer today, I do want to encourage you, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can experience that peace. You can have that peace with God um, by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So don't leave today. Um, without Christ being your savior. So I invite you to make that commitment today. Uh, There'll be an opportunity. You can come up and uh, pray with someone in the prayer team. You can talk to me. I'm happy to talk with you about that and uh, help you to have, um, invite you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ to become Lord and Savior in your life. Um, But for those of us that are believers, you know, I do encourage you, um, you know, let's study the word of God. Let's not just memorize scripture. Let's not just read the Bible. Let's apply the scriptures so that we can truly use them um, to be um, the believers that God is asking us to be, to be his children, to be the ones that are doing the work that he's asking us to do. Um, and we do this, um, you know, in the Lord's power. So I I'm not saying, you know, let's go out and be strong. Da, da, da. Yeah, we want to be strong, but we want to be strong in the Lord. You know, we fight this battle because the Lord gives us the strength to fight the battle. It's not in our own strength. It's not by our willpower. It's by the might of God that we are able to proceed and be able to move forward against the enemy. So uh, with that, I think we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you, Lord. We thank you so much for your great love for us. And Lord, we thank you that whatever our difficulties that we may be working through, whether it's um, worry and anxiety that you've helped me so much with that, um, but whatever our issues are, we know that we can bring them to you. We know that you are our loving heavenly father, that you care about us, that you love us, that you want us to bring our requests before you. So we do bring our requests before you, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would be the God of comfort, that you would be the God of love, that you would be the one who walks with us through the furnace through the fire, 
Um, you're the one who prevails against all, all things, Lord. So we do praise you and we worship you for that. And we do ask for your peace, Lord. We ask for that peace that surpasses understanding, that it would guard our hearts and minds, that we would be able to use the scripture as a fortress around the things that we're dealing with so that we can be ones who uh, delight in your word, Lord, and we, can, and we can stand in your word. So we thank you for all these things, and we do praise you. We do worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.